would invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to John's Gospel. That's in the New Testament on page 886 of your pew Bibles. We'll be uh, taking a a break from 1 Corinthians uh, during this Christmas season and uh, going through the first 18 verses of John's Gospel, taking them a a section at a time. So John chapter 1, verse 1, and that's on page 886 of your pew Bibles. Hear the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Amen to this reading of God's holy word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand through the ages. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you uh, for your holy word that we can hold in our hands, that we can read with our eyes here, with our ears. You even work in our hearts so that we can understand and apply the truth of your word. But Lord, we pray this morning that you would open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things in your law. We pray that you would open our eyes, that we might see the life and light of the Lord Jesus Christ. May your Holy Spirit, Father, uh, be calling us, even this morning, uh, to a closer 
loving walk of faith with Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If a genuinely curious seeker asked you to tell them about Jesus Christ, now where would you begin in the Bible? Most of us would head to the New Testament and to the Gospels, but even then, where would you start with the Gospels? Would you start with Matthew, the opening chapters of Matthew, which give us a scriptural summary of Jesus' genealogy before we meet Joseph, the wise men, or Mary? Or would you go to Mark's Gospel? Uh, which plunges us into the ministry of John the Baptism and the baptism and temptation of Jesus? Or, or would you steer the seeker, and especially at Christmas, would you steer them towards Luke's gospel, uh, which does speak of a birth, but actually it begins with the birth of John the Baptist. Now, before it introduces us to the angel Gabriel, Uh, The Virgin Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and the shepherds. And then uh, there in chapter 2, we have the account of Jesus' birth. Let me propose that that if someone were to ask you the question, tell me about Jesus this Christmas, uh, let me encourage you to turn to John's gospel. Uh, to the opening verses there of of John chapter 1. It's a great place to begin, Uh, a gospel witness. Hear that that very first verse of John chapter 1, verse 1. I encourage you to uh, keep your Bibles open this morning. We're only going to be looking at John 1, 1 through 5. Uh, But here, the opening words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, this very first verse reveals the glorious truth that Jesus, the Word, was truly God. In these opening verses, we behold the glory of Christ, and and we hear a clear word of gospel hope. And the truth is that since the gospel... This morning, the Gospel of John, but since the Gospel reveals the true and glorious identity of Christ, we receive salvation hope. Well, what does the Gospel reveal about Christ that that gives us hope? Three truths this morning about, about Christ. First, that he was truly God. We'll see in the first two verses. Secondly, that he was a total creator, uh, there in verse 3. And then finally, he is a a triumphant savior, there in verses 4 to 5. So in five verses, we have a a glorious scriptural summary of the gospel. We begin with that truth that, that Jesus was truly God. Jesus was truly God. John's gospel begins in a most unusual and striking fashion, in the beginning. Where else have we heard those words? Genesis 1, 1. At the very beginning, 
And here it tells us, you know, as we go through this, you'll see five truths about Christ, that he, that he is truly God. Five different ways of, of reassuring us, reminding us, teaching us that Jesus Christ is truly God. And, and first it begins with his eternal existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know, in the beginning, you know, in fact, we almost could say here, you know, before the beginning, before creation of the heavens and the earth, before God created light, Jesus always was. Hebrews 1 verse 10 puts it this way. And thou, Lord, in the beginning didst lay the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. You know, but even before that beginning, there was a, another beginning. You know, why is this initial scriptural language in John 1 vital to our understanding to the person and work of Christ? You know, to, to, lo- to know and to love Jesus, we must start with the truth that he is truly God from all eternity. Simon Kistemacher put it this way in his commentary, when the heavens and the earth were created... The word, that is Jesus, already existed. He existed from all eternity. So the first truth is the eternal existence of Jesus as God. But then the second truth is there's a faithful revelation. In the beginning was the word. And you might ask the question, why doesn't it scripture here say in the beginning was Jesus or Christ? You know, why the word? Because that that word, logos, you know, by its very definition means that, that God reveals himself to us. He speaks to us. You know, that that's the, at the very heart of God. God is a revealing God. He he delights to declare his glorious Character is gracious love for us in Christ. In the beginning was the word. You know, God, God reveals himself. You know, again, if we go back to Genesis 1, you know, ten different times, you, you can find them for yourself. You know, we read that little phrase, and God said, and God said. You know, God speaks to us. God reveals himself to us. You know, we can know our glorious God because he reveals himself to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And we see that's true not only here in John chapter 1, but, you know, God, again, delights uh, to reveal himself to us. Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God in the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Uh, we read it again in Psalm 33. That was our responsive reading this morning. 
Uh, But here these two verses, again, Psalm 33, verse 4, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. And then verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. You know, Jesus Christ is the faithful revelation uh, of that true, our true and triune God. And the greatest and most faithful revelation of God the Father is God the Son. We'll get to verse 14, not this morning, but one Lord's Day morning. We read, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the first two truths, the eternal existence as God. The second truth about Jesus, he is the faithful revelation of God. The third truth, the intimate communion of God the Son with God the Father. The Word was with God. There's a distinction here between God the Father and God the Son. You know, Edmund Clowney captures it this way. The word was with God, God's eternal fellow. The word was God, God's own self. So there's an eternal Existence as God, a faithful revelation, and an intimate communion. But the fourth truth is, is the most scripturally significant, and that is the full deity of Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Notice here there is not what's called an article, not a, the word was a God. You might read that in some corrupt Bible translations. It doesn't say the word was the God because there's a distinction, again, between God the Father and God the Son. And lest you think, well, you know, preacher, you're just getting into some fine points of theology here. These are vital to our faith in Christ. And it's been a, uh, a, a challenge to the church for thousands of years. On some Lord's Day, we say the Nicene Creed together. And if you've forgotten what that was, you can find it in the back of the hymnals. It's on page 846. It comes to us. Uh, It was written about A.D. 325. There in the early church, there was a struggle in in trying to um, get the theology, the scriptural truth about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit correct. And there was especially a struggle between distinguishing and defining God the Father and God the Son. And the Nicene Creed contains this line about Christ. It's not scripture, but it's a great summary of scripture. Jesus is very God 
of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Now, back in the days when they wrote the Nicene Creed, there was a uh, a group called the Arians, and uh, actually they're still alive and well today, but the Arians claimed that the Son, Jesus the Son, was the highest creation of God, and thus essentially different from the Father. They tried to say, well, he's of a similar substance, but not the same. And the Nicene Creed said, no, he's of one substance with the Father. Think of it this way, a Savior who is not quite like God is like a a partially completed bridge across the Grand Canyon or the Mississippi River. You know, it it won't get you to the other side. And it's vital for us as Christians to to understand the full deity of Christ. And the word was God. Some might be saying, well, why didn't it say the word is God? Wouldn't that make more sense? The word was God, there in our English translations, deliberately teaches us that Jesus Christ was always God. It's not only that he is God now, but he was always God. From all eternity, there was never a time when the word was not. Now, this clear scriptural truth contradicts the claim of many who claim to be Christians, yet also claim that Christ was a created being, thus something less than God. And I tell you this morning, and I would say it on the street corner, you cannot be a Christian and not believe the clear and consistent biblical teaching of the full deity of Christ. That he is truly God. The full deity of Christ, the eternal equality of Christ, that's the last truth here. And, and to give you hope here, we'll, we'll speed up uh, after we get through verse 1 here. But now in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. That, that almost sounds like a, a repetition, and, and yes, it is. It, it's an echo for emphasis. You know, lest you forget... You know, let, let me remind you once again, he was in the beginning with God. You know, here John graciously reminds us of Christ's divinity. He is truly God. He is, yes, distinct from the Father, and yet there is an eternal equality between God the Father and God the Son. Our larger catechism, Westminster Larger Catechism, question 36. Again, this is not scripture, but it's a a helpful summary of scripture. Puts it this way, as in case you're wondering, you know, why is this important? 
The question number 36, larger catechism, who is the mediator of the covenant of grace? And the answer is this, the only mediator of the covenant of grace is the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the eternal Son of God, of one substance and equal with the Father, in the fullness of time became man, and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Let me illustrate it this way. You know, every Christmas it seems that shady stores or maybe shady internet websites try to sell counterfeits of popular products. You know, whether it's Gucci handbags, smartphones, Beat headphones, Chanel perfume, Nike sneakers, Rolex watches, and believe it or not, they say there's even fake Swiss gold bullion bars out there. Uh, Let the buyer beware. You know, there, there are counterfeits. You know, at Christmas... And I've noticed, especially at Christmas, many of the counterfeit churches and cults seek to sell a counterfeit Christ to unwary worshipers. And so let me encourage you, let me warn you to carefully examine the claims of these counterfeit teachers against the clear and consistent teaching of the word of God. Point them to John 1. Can you affirm this word for word? And if not, then they are counterfeits. You know, Christ is truly God, his eternal existence, faithful revelation of God, intimate communion with God, full deity of Christ, eternal equality of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, that's a hopeful position of Christ here. It gives us security in our faith in Christ. It ought to lead us to worship him. You know, that's the first truth. Uh, The second will go much more quickly. Christ is the total, our total creator. Uh, Verse 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. You know, two truths here about Christ. Christ himself is not created. Christ is the creator. Christ is an uncreated being. Scripture guards that by saying all things were made through him. You know, it's a scriptural truth that's so important. It's repeated again in verse 10. Of John 1, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. It's a real reminder that Christ eternally existed as God, the second person of the Trinity. The pre-existent Christ was present at creation, but he was not a created being. He himself powerfully created all things. Jesus Christ was always the Son of God. Again, the counterfeit Christians try to say there was a time when he was not. 
That, that's the phrase. It comes from the Arians. And that is an unscriptural truth that they're trying to proclaim. Now, scripturally powerfully proclaims the gospel truth of Christ's priority, his position, his power over all creation. Unless you think, well, that's only there in John 1. Here again, uh, from God's word, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. I'll just read it without comment. Colossians 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You know, here we see the gospel truth of, of Christ's power over all creation. We don't live in a random universe. You know, Christ is in powerful control over sickness, storms, even over Satan himself. You know, Satan is a created being, and he will ultimately be crushed. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You know, there, there is great comfort in, in these gospel truths. Christ is the creator of all things. Augustine wrote this practical gospel truth about Christ the creator. And I quote, He was before his own flesh. He created his own mother. He chose her in whom he should be conceived. He created her of whom he should be created. You know, we rightly say and sing that he created all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful. The Lord God made them all, all things. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This past week, you know, since our our daughter Danielle was in town, I think about once a year, maybe twice a year, we go to the movies at the theater, yes, in in Lafayette, and uh, my family has learned that when the movie is done, you know, I like to stay and read the credits. You know, I don't like to race out with the crowd, number one. Um, I stay and, and read the credits. Uh, the credits, in case you've never seen them before, they list uh, where the movie was filmed, the music that was played. They also list the hundreds of names. I didn't count them, maybe thousands of names of all who played a part in the movie. 
or took part in the making of the movie. You know, and it's just a, 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 a boatload of different responsibilities. Assistants, cast, caterers, drivers, electricians, set designers, sound mixers, and writers. You know, to give you only a sampling... You know, and here in John chapter 1, verse 3, we just read one name. All things were made through him. You know, and that's all we need, just Jesus. Jesus, Son of God, Savior of sinners. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You know, what can we take away from this one verse of the Bible? To answer a question, you might be thinking, no, God did not create sin. Sermon for another time. But he created you and me in his image for his own glory. So that we would know him. So that we would love him. So that we would serve him. So there is this truth that Jesus is truly God, our hopeful position. He is our total creator, uh, hopeful power. Finally, he is our triumphant savior, uh, verses 4 and 5. Here we see a hopeful purpose. And it begins to give us a, a glimpse into John's gospel. You know, John loves to use everyday words and, and, and saturate them with scriptural meanings. He uses the words here, life and light and darkness. And to hear that there in verse 4, in him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, John loves the word life. Not just physical life, not biological life. There's a word for that. Here he uses the word spiritual life, eternal life. i give you a couple quick examples. I was going to read four or five, but just to give you two, John 3, verse 15. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We can know life, true life, eternal life, through faith in Christ. Our life is in Christ. Our light is in Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Just to focus for a moment on the bad news. You know, we are those men and women and children whose lives have been devastated by sin. You know, men and women and children who are descendants of Adam. We're born in sin. We choose to sin. The wages of sin is death. Without the hope of eternal life in Christ, we are spiritually dead. And without the hope of the glorious and gracious light of Christ, we are in spiritual darkness and despair. And here Christ sends his son, his life, his light, to guide us. 
just as certainly and even more certainly than he led Israel in the wilderness with the pillar of cloud and fire. Jesus himself is the son of God, loves pure light. Hear the words of John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And finally, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, there's, there's the gospel in one verse. If, if you're saying at this point, you know, Dean, you've, you've, you've filled my bucket to overflowing, or scripture has filled it to overflowing, just, just focus on verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. You know, you know brothers and sisters, we're living in a dark world. Believe it's growing darker by the day. You know, we need the life and light of Christ. The light shines, present tense. You know, it does, even though Jesus was from all eternity, the light continues to shine. I believe that light will shine until Christ comes again. And the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, we're living in a dark world, but the darkness will not be victorious. Sin and Satan will not snuff out the light of Christ. He will struggle, but it's a vain attempt uh, to defeat Christ and to drag us all into eternal darkness. No, that, that's a present hope for us today. You know, may, maybe you're dreading Christmas. You know, maybe it's you're feeling that, that loneliness, that despair, struggle even now. You know, here's that present hope. In, in him was life, and the light was the light of men. You know, it, it's the promised hope of heaven. You know, it's, it's a precious gospel hope. You know, on this first Sunday of Advent, it's only fitting that we began our worship service with a hymn that gives glory to Christ for his humble birth and his holy love for unworthy sinners. You know, and let me encourage you to, to pull out a hymnal, look them up on YouTube or whatever, you know, and, and to read, to sing these great Christmas hymns of the faith, they're, they're saturated with gospel theology. You know, but here again, the third verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hail, the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings Risen with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. There's salvation hope, there's a secure hope in Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you.
we thank you not only for Christ's humble birth, his holy life, but Lord, thank you for salvation hope you give to us. Lord, we're living in a dark world. But thanks be to God that we can know the life and light of Christ in in our lives, in your churches, in our families, Father God. Pray that we would not only rejoice in that life and light of Christ, but uh, Lord, we pray as well uh, that you would be pleased to use us to uh, proclaim that hope of salvation, that through faith in Christ, uh, that lost sinners uh, can know that gracious and glorious hope of life eternal. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.